millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Watch Time. My name is Grace. I run Click Management. We manage a bunch of the biggest YouTube and streamers online. I am here with Elliot, my brother, business partner, who is a YouTuber in his own right. Muselk, 8 million subs. Yeah, I think I feel like we're, I feel Nailed like people it. know it now. Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> How getting, is your week? Rhythm. Yeah, it's been a it's been a super weird week where I, I've kind of just been in a holding pattern on content. I don't know. I haven't had any really good ideas. I had one video that did really well, but otherwise I've just been uh, smashing out stream hours. I feel like um, when someone asks you how your week going is going, you immediately like blank and you're like, uh, yeah, yeah. I wait, think, what happened okay. this week again? <laughs> no, but actually like I, I'm, I'm really starting to enjoy all the live streaming I'm doing a lot more because yeah, I found you've that been knocking out some long ones normally when, you know, I don't have a good idea for a video. I kind of like freak out because I'm like, oh my God, making videos is what I do. What do I do with my life if yeah. I don't have a video to make? Whereas now it's like, oh, I don't have a video idea, but I'm keen to play games. I'm keen to like chat with people. I'm going to yeah. do a live stream. So, so good. it fills the gap. Nice. Well, on this week's episode, we're going to be talking all things Ninja and the tweet that he did where he was telling people to keep getting angry if they're not winning games. We're talking about Logan Paul copying David Dobrik's vlog style. We're talking the coronavirus and how it's led to a massive spike in video games and Netflix shows all about viruses, which is kind of crazy. And we're talking about the Mike Bloomberg, fuck Jerry, tweets that he's been doing, a little bit of influencer promo on the presidential campaign, which which is wild. And then basically how TikTok is literally changing the Spotify music charts right now and how that's happening and what a wild platform it is. So let's jump into it. So recently Ninja did a little tweet that's been pretty controversial. It trended hard. And do you want to read it? What was it? I have it prepared. Ninja tweeted, the phrase, it's just a game is such a weak mindset. You are okay with what happened. Losing, imperfection of a craft. When you stop getting angry after losing, you've lost twice. There's always something to learn and always room for improvement. Never settle. And this went people, crazy yeah, viral. Yeah, I, I didn't. I feel like I didn't read into it as much, or I, I didn't think it was that deep compared yeah. to whatever else. Did. People, I feel. I mean, number one, people love getting angry at, you know. I mean, people love getting angry at people, but people especially love getting angry at people with followers, and they especially, especially love getting angry at Ninja. Yeah. Um. I feel like, man, like I, I'd, I'd be so scared. If I was him, every time I'd tweet something, I'd like show it to like six different people. Be like, yo, am I like, is this, are we good? Is this okay? <laughs> yeah, it it actually like went pretty crazy viral. And I agree. I feel like I read it and I was like, oh yeah, all right. But people felt strongly about this one. I feel like people either 100% agreed or massively were like, this is such a toxic mentality or promoting to a young audience. Yeah. And I actually like one of our friends, 
um, Matt, Maddie, right? Yeah. She responded to the tweet and Ninja went back to her. She she was definitely on the side of like, this is such a toxic mentality. You shouldn't do it. Like that's a really destructive thing to say basically. Yeah. And I definitely take her point, but I don't know. It was, it was kind of an interesting one. I feel like his choice in words wasn't the best best but the actual sentiment behind it I kind of understand I think the people think the thing that people took issue with with was the sentence that when you stop getting angry after losing you've lost twice yeah I I think I think it's just a pretty classic example of you know where you have a thought and you bang it out and you don't you know I mean number one you're limited on characters on Twitter so you can't necessarily be like when you stop getting angry, except obviously when, you know, you can't like actually fully explain a thought a lot of the time on, um, on Twitter. But yeah, I think, I think it's basically the actual sentiment behind what he's saying. I I understand. I think number one is being the reason that people got so worked up is number one, he really worded it quite poorly. Uh, number two, I think that a lot of people are misunderstanding what he's saying. You know, when he says, if you lose a game and you're not mad, you have a problem. I think he's obviously a lot more referring to, you know, if you're like a pro gamer or if you're a professional basketballer and you lose a game or if, you know, you're in a Fortnite tournament that you've trained Mm -hmm. for and you play bad and you lose, you should be unhappy. And I think that that's like, you know, a good sentiment. It's not a totally incorrect sentiment for life, which is you should, if if it's something that you're trying to do professionally where you want to be the best, you know, you're doing it competitively, then if you underperform, you, know, you should be dissatisfied. You should be dissatisfied and be wanting to improve. The other part, though, where he tripped up is the word dissatisfied versus the word angry, which is, you know, being angry and having, you know, drive and personal growth are mutually exclusive. You know, you can you can lose, be dissatisfied that you lost, be introspective and think, okay, that wasn't good. What could I do better? Let's do better next time. And not be angry. And that's not a losing mentality. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think it's kind of, there's two sides to it because I agree. I think his choice in words wasn't the best and there are other words that he could have used instead of angry, like dissatisfied or, you know, if you don't want to try again after you lose, then you've lost twice. Like I think that would be better words to use. But I also think that the Twitter sphere can be a bit, PC sometimes to be honest and I think one thing people also don't like hearing is that it's really hard to be the best at something and to be the best at something often requires a personal investment that is going above and beyond it's not easy you can't get there by sailing through it and it kind of is something that we've touched on on a previous episode of the podcast when we were talking about what it takes to actually be successful. And this is where I kind of agree with Ninja and I think that his mentality is not wrong. That if you want to be the best at something, you just can't be satisfied with anything less than the best from yourself. And I mean, I'm kind of interested to hear what you think on this because I feel like anger for you is something that you do deal with and it's not necessarily in actually the outcome of the game that you get angry, but obviously you do YouTube. You want to be a really good YouTuber and I know if you can't get a video right that you want to get right, you can get really angry. I don't know. I think that's interesting to 
think about because I've definitely heard you from outside your office. I don't know what are you talking about? It never happened. That's never you happened like, ever. You can completely rage. Like if you have an idea for a video and it doesn't go right yeah. or you're feeling like you're not getting the outcome that you want, you can seriously rage. And Yeah, it's interesting. It's I mean, the, the reason... I get mad, I feel like is is slightly different, but it is, you know, all that, you know, doing games as a job, you know, getting angry, that that whole topic. I think that, you know, the difference with YouTube is, it's not like, you know, you're in like a hundred person server and, oh, I came fourth and I didn't come first and three people placed ahead of me. But at the same time, you know, obviously you do need to perform and, you know, make and, and do well, which is obviously then measured through the performance of your videos. I think though, for me, I, I don't really tend to get angry if I post a video and it doesn't do well, but I, I know the big trigger for me when I'm doing, uh, you know, when I'm making videos and recording is so much just wasted time. That's yeah. what really triggers me is uh, that, you know, when you're recording a video, uh, you, you obviously there are some parts where you're getting really, really good stuff. So for example, if I'm doing, a, you know, a, a death run, which is, you know, the kind of thing where you have to continually run through these really, really hard obstacles. And normally you'll fail again and again and again and again and again. But I never get mad when I'm doing a death run, especially when I fail. The reason being is that for a death run, I mean, I'll get mad, but I won't get like actually mad. Yeah, because it's content. Because it's content. The failure is the content. Every time I mess up, I'm like, great. You know, like that. That that is what the video is. Whereas I think for me, when I'm making content, what makes me mad, uh, and and I I can't. I just it's it's wasted time. It's when I'm doing say like a, a challenge video where I need to. Uh, win a game doing some really oddly weirdly specific thing like only yeah. like not building or only using one weapon or that kind of thing yeah um and you know the first few times that you attempt it and you fail you're like ah, oh, okay it's good because it's all content you know yeah. you, you always want to have a few fails in there but after you've been trying to do it for three or four hours and you sit down and you record you know, a full like 15 minutes. You're like, all right, we're coming back down. You know, you're live commentating everything. You're talking, you're playing. Things are going well. You're like, oh, this is actually, this is turning into some really good content. Uh, all I need now is to win. And then you lose and it just feels like everything you've just done is wasted. And then you compound that over, you know, if I'm like trying to do a really hard challenge and it might take me four hours. If I fail nonstop for four hours, then I, I'm like, I literally can't use any of that footage because I've already hit my quota on the number of fails I can put in the video. Yeah. Uh, I I could have just not done this for the last four hours. I've mm. literally, literally everything I've done is completely worthless. But I think that is kind of what Ninja's saying. Like obviously his applies to winning or losing games because that's sort of the avenue that he's trying to be the best at. Whereas for you, it's, making great videos or not making great videos. Yeah. And I think what I where I agree with Ninja is that if you want to be the best at anything, you kind of have to have a constant stat, state of dissatisfaction. You yeah. constantly have to be in the mindset where you're like, I'm not doing as well as I should be right now. I could be doing more. And I think the public doesn't necessarily like to hear that sometimes. Mm. I think people like the idea that you can be the best and 
be the most productive and have the most incredible outcomes and not have any downside to it or not have to sacrifice things for it. And I just think ultimately it's not true. I think if you want to be the best at anything, you need to be doing more than what anyone else is doing and being prepared to work harder. And I think when you're putting that level of, of investment into what you're doing, the feelings of anger when you feel like you're not reaching your potential there are going to come out. Yeah. I don't know. That's what I I mean, I really think that in that way he's right and I think sometimes people just don't like to hear that. But also his choice in words was not the best. It could have been better. Yeah, I I, I think it basically just comes down to and and obviously it just it it happens because Twitter is a stream of consciousness. I don't think he's I don't think there was any ill will behind what he said. I don't actually think he meant what people are interpreting the tweet as. But you know, Sometimes pe- I think Ninja's choices on Twitter are interesting because he cops a lot of shit on Twitter. And sometimes I look at the tweets he does, like that one, for example, and I'm like, I get why you tweeted that. But also, why tweet it? Yeah. Like, there was no... There's no upside. There's no upside that was going to come from that tweet. I mean, it got some sick engagement. It got sick engagement. And maybe that's what he's going for. And if so, more power to him. But it gets a lot of hate. And I feel like you have to tweet something and be like, oh, this is people. People are going to be a bit, you know, on either side of the fence on this one. I think it's like, I don't know. I just think it's interesting what someone in his position chooses to tweet because I would have seen that and I would be like, okay, there's... It's not that bad, but there's yeah. really no wins to be gained. I, I do, yeah. I, I think I think that fundamentally, um, you know, Tyler's obviously, a, I mean, every time I've ever met him or played with him or chatted to him, he's like one of the nicest guys ever. I think yeah. it's just that it's one of those things where I think when you put everything online, you know, same way that Logan Paul ran into it with the uh, with the old forest incident, yeah. um, you, you start to just forget, I think. you You just kind of assume that, you stop. You stop. You stop checking yourself. You stop thinking. Okay, how will this be perceived? What will other yeah. people think? You just kind of do it. And I think Tyler will do that. You know, probably more often than not. I think. I think especially on the on the wealth side, uh, he'll yeah. sometimes have some stuff that's like you know, it, it's like uh, I just you know, it's it's not bad. Yeah. It's just like I don't think it's but your like fifth a fifth photo in a row in a Louis Vuitton jacket. Like you're just not going to win any favors there. Yeah, and I forget it was either it was I think him or his wife that tweeted. You know, like every season Gucci send us their entire collection and we pick what we want and send back what we don't. <laughs> Thanks Gucci. Oh. And it's just like, oh. is that cool? Like, is it cool for Gucci it's to send a bunch of stuff? Cool. I That's would love sick, that. dude. I would love that. Gucci, hit me up. Let's do some stuff. But when you're like sharing that with your audience who probably like would look at the price of, you know, 90% of people, 99% of people look at the price of a Gucci handbag and vomit. You know, they might, people will buy like one of those things in their lifetime. Yeah. And, you know, I think a lot about being, um, you know, an influencer is, being you know, relatable. It's, it's aspirational, but it's relatable. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, saying, you know, I'm so conflicted because I, really care about global warming and climate change, but I also really love taking my private jet. Man, how do I, how do I, you know, reconcile this? It's like, these are good thoughts to have internally, (laughs) you know, like actually, you know, like being like the convenience of a private jet versus the fact that they're really bad for the environment. That's really good. Think about that. And actually from his perspective, do it internally. Yeah. But yeah, probably not at, 
it's an internal thought that shouldn't make it to Twitter. Like, yeah. you know how people tweet, like, shower thoughts? Yeah. There are some shower thoughts that should just stay, stay. shower yeah. thoughts. Yeah, yeah, And when it involves, like, Louis Vuitton and private jets, like, maybe that's one of them. Yeah, it's it's and it's so weird because uh, you see, like, a lot of, you know, a lot of the time when I see people tweet that kind of stuff or do that kind of stuff, it's, you know, very obviously, like, you know, just trying to flex, trying to, like, be like, hey, look how you know, wealthy I am or look how well I'm doing. But weirdly, I, I don't think that is what he's trying to do with those tweets because, no. I mean, pe- pe- it's pretty well known that he just done pretty well. You know, he's, yeah. he's, made, he's made a couple of dollars. It actually you know, doing doesn't, what he does. you're right. It doesn't come off flexy at all. No, it's like, it's not like he's flexing. I don't think specifically, it, he doesn't have anything to prove, all right? People know that he has money and he's done well. I just think it's, yeah, I, I just think it's one of those things where after a while you stop, you know, checking yourself. You stop being like, hey, how will this be perceived? Are, are people going to like what I'm saying here? And yeah, when you stop doing that, I think it leads to number one, the tweet that we started off talking about where, you know, I don't think the sentiment was wrong. I don't even think the message was wrong. I think the way he tried to convey the message yeah, could have been done better. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But long story short, influencers, YouTubers, stream of consciousness. Uh, yeah, it's a da- it's a dangerous thing. It's a dangerous thing, and I think it's something I'd actually love to dive into on a deeper topic on another future episode. But I think it's a really, really interesting balance that influencers have to tread, where it's like you found such an initial popularity through your relatability. You know, people loved that Tyler was just an everyday guy that made it big playing Fortnite, which Mm. is something people would love to do. But you have to remember that when you grow and grow and grow and it comes with all this money and followers, whatever, that suddenly, you know, you lose your relatability a little bit and therefore you can lose your connection if you don't make the effort to keep it there. So anyway, an interesting one for sure. All right, jumping into the next topic, we're going to on the feed. So it's our three short little... Twitter feed stories of the week. The first one we're going to talk about is Logan Paul copying David Dobrik's vlog style. And this is something really funny. And it's something that he like basically called out on his vlog or he kind of called out David Dobrik for using literally the same photo of his face in every single thumbnail. Did you see that? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, it's something that I've noticed before as well that David uses this same face yeah. that he pops in every single thumbnail, which is kind of funny, but he's clearly found something that works. I was going to say, like, I think that's kind of like branding, you know? A lot of people will put, like, a little logo mark in every single... Ooh, true. ...you know, thumbnail. And 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 it's interesting. It's like David Dobrik is not a lazy person, you know? No. he He works pretty hard. So I feel like, you know, him putting the same face in every thumbnail... I feel like we're getting sidetracked here because this isn't what the topic's about. But, you know, him putting his yeah. same face in every thumbnail. He's not I think Logan photos. was trying to be like, oh, look how lazy he is. or like how, And it's like, it's like, no, 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 no. David could take, you know, 50 different photos 100%. of him with a crazy expression and insert it. He's doing this very deliberately. That's I think so true. You see I that face hadn't and you considered just, that as much. Yeah. I think it's like that, it's that... Um, not positive feedback loop, but like that mental association yeah. where whenever you see that face doing that thing in your sub box, you're like, oh, I'm gonna click that. Yeah, so true. Yeah. That's actually a great point. 
Anyway, back to what the actual topic was though, Logan copying David style. It's been his first major foray back into the vlog scene since the events of 2018, where he stopped obviously for quite a while and he's definitely adopting a David style. And it kind of made me think that I also recognised, we touched on the Hype House a few weeks ago, the new TikTok house that's got all the big new stars in it. And there's this guy in that house as well that literally sounds like David Dobrik. His videos are heavily inspired by his style. Just even the way that he talks to the camera, the zoom-ins on his face, the laughing behind the scenes. It was insane. I think I showed you a couple of those videos before we recorded this. And did you you see the, the similarities? yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know what's crazy? The, like, the craziest thing about this whole topic to me is just I don't understand how it didn't happen sooner. Yeah. You know, like, it, it, and because this isn't like, oh my God, this is the first case where a YouTuber has seen another YouTuber doing something that worked and copied it. No, this happens in like everything. Like, the way so true. you'll see almost every genre kind of pull in line where, you know, obviously you get variation within genres, but. I feel you like know, when Casey, of, you know, when Casey was big on the vlogging scene, there were so many people that adopted that. Yeah, the Casey style. style. Yeah. And I think that, you know, you see in gaming, you know, uh, gaming YouTubers very much, obviously there's a few different ways to go about it, but you'll see the more like the live commentary style, like, mm-hmm. you know, me and Lockie and Ali, we have a lot of similarities in the way that we frame videos and the way that we piece them together and the way that we commentate. Then, you know, in beauty, like there's kind of like a formula for the way to do different styles of videos. And it's actually crazy to me that David has had so much success for so long, like clearly seen as like one of the faces, like the absolute powerhouse of YouTube. Yeah. And it's taken this long for like a big YouTuber to be like, hey, maybe I should try doing that style as well. Yeah. I think it's just really interesting and you can really see the tastemakers of the platform are people that have almost created their own style or their own genre of content. And I think David has a genre of content on YouTube. Like people can say what a David video is and you know exactly what I'm talking about. You can say the same about a Casey Neistat video. You can say the same about a Mr. Beast video. I think those three people immediately spring to mind as having created literally a genre of their own on the platform. Yeah. Um, more so than even people like PewDiePie and that sort of thing, which have yeah. trend hopped, but not necessarily created like a distinctive style. Yeah. No, I think that, um, yeah. I mean, it's it's not even that, you know, like what, what's, what's the line? Like, it's not that deep, bro. Like, yeah. it's really not that deep. It's, um, you know, I think that, I think it's, it's weird that Logan's kind of trying to take weird, digs at David while also copying his style. It's like, you know, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. Like clearly you like That's what he's Logan doing. Logan though. Logan loves a little bit of yeah, like yeah, casual beef. Band. Like, and, it, and it gets people talking about him, which obviously totally. then gets people to look at his channel, see he's doing a new style and then maybe people like it and they stick around. But yeah, it's not that deep. You know, it's um, David has a very successful channel. He has a very distinctive style. And it's obviously a style that works. I don't think anyone can pull it off, but I think that, um, yeah, you know, you can definitely see it paying dividends already on those channels. Yeah, 100%. All right, next topic we're going to talk about is the coronavirus, but not so much the coronavirus as the fact that the coronavirus is literally spiking. 
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Lacking popularity of games and Netflix shows and all that sort of thing that has to do with a virus. People and people are getting all the virus simulation games and they're they're running the simulations to figure out where exactly they need to go to keep out of the outbreak. Yeah. I was reading an article earlier today that was talking about these games called, there's one called Plague Inc. Plague Inc. That is an all-time internet classic. I think I I I actually have that on my phone. I haven't played it in years, but uh, I've... I think I have it on my phone. So the article was saying it's yeah, actually it. really interesting because that game is old, right? And these days it you was don't on. Tend you want to know see... how old? It was on Mini Clip. Wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's old. That's OG. So it was saying that this game has apparently had spikes in popularity when there have been viruses like this. So apparently, when the SARS outbreak happened in like 2012. Again, it had a massive spike. And apparently like a month ago when the coronavirus was just starting to spread, they came out with like a PR statement basically anticipating the fact that their game was also about to spike in popularity, saying that like, hey guys, like we didn't create this game to like glamorise this. Um, like basically... Even though the game is literally you trying to make a virus progressively more deadly and infectious. But yeah, no, I mean, it's it's kind of funny. I, I think once again, it's, uh, it's one of those things that, you know, like you, you want to know something super interesting. Sorry, just like random, but kind of on the same vein. Yeah. But also like this, I think this is an even crazier fact. I went skydiving a few years ago and... Yeah. Um, I was chatting to, you know, the guy I was jumping with and I was like, yes, like when, when these news articles happen of like someone dying in a skydiving accident, like how long does that harm your business for? And he was like, mate, when like people die skydiving and there are articles and news stories about it, business goes up. What? I don't understand it. I, I'm, that I, blows my mind. Yeah, no idea why. But Business goes up when there's been skydiving accidents. That's what he told me. That's fucked. So, yeah, I mean, plaguing, not Absolutely exactly. Absolutely not. I have no interest in that. Look, honestly, I think the takeaway from the, the plague game story is just, uh, you know, people running the simulations. They're figuring out where in the world you need to go in the event of a plague outbreak. And the answer is Greenland or Madagascar when they close the ports. <laughs> and that's an in-joke because you haven't played Plague Inc., so you have played. no idea what I'm talking about. Let me tell you, you, those sons of bitches, they close their ports. Your virus is not getting in there. Man, <laughs> they are absolute monsters. Okay. The number of games I've lost because there's three people left alive in Iceland or Greenland. I forget. I always get those two confused because the one that is icy is actually Greenland. Yes. And the one that is Greenland is actually, I- it's very confusing. Greenland. That's the one I'm thinking of. Okay. Um, Guys, yeah. we're going to Greenland. When they, yeah, seriously, Greenland closes its ports. Madagascar shuts down international trade. <sighs> they're, they're untouchable. It's kind of interesting though, isn't it? I feel like it is sort of a kind of messed up thing that people have where it's like, 
you know, why do I love to listen to like true crime podcasts? And I literally go to bed every night listening to murder stories, like true crime murder stories. It is weird. I think like people you should see someone about like that. the idea of sort of murder. exploring <laughs> what happens when those worst case scenarios yeah, happen. Yeah. I think it's just, you know, like constantly it's just the extremes. You yeah. know, it's like the extremes of everything. Like I think as as horrible as certain things are, I think humans just naturally find it fascinating a very morbid yeah you know like it like while we might obviously like be like repulsed by the outcome and like what actually happens we're still super interested in it yeah 100%. and i and i think they are mutually exclusive you can be you know appalled by something but still fascinated by it yeah yeah and i think that's probably what's happening with this stuff yeah yeah all right, into our third on the feed story, a little lighter. We're talking Mike Bloomberg and the Fuck Jerry campaign that happened recently. So you would have seen probably, if you didn't see it on your Instagram, it was definitely all over Twitter. But Mike Bloomberg, who's one of the presidential candidates for the upcoming US election, basically did a bunch of paid sponsored Instagram ads with meme accounts. Absolutely the best value for money. That you reckon? They, you know why? Yeah. I have not seen that post. I have like, I have not, I don't follow that account. I don't, didn't see any of the posts or anything like that. But the amount that people are talking now about presidential candidate Mike Bloomberg and how he spent money on an influencer that, like, <laughs> I, I haven't seen that post. That post, you know, they probably paid for a reach of say like four or five million people probably 200, 300, 500 million people have not, have they might not have seen the post, but they've probably heard about how yeah. presidential candidate Mike Bloomberg is promoting his campaign through Instagram posts. So true. Like the PR machine that gets spun behind it is more valuable than the post itself. Honestly. Oh my God. So much in this instance, because everyone's just talking like, oh, is it effective? You know, like, and there's been, you know, a lot of, um, negativity around it obviously it was a little cringe it was a little cringy it was basically him Hate like fellow kids it was basically like screenshots of dms between mike bloomberg and whatever the app was yeah. being like hey How like can you, you promote me yeah yeah and him being like a billion and he'll be like, and then he replied like check or cash or something like that right yeah, send me a venmo <laughs> but you know like i yeah i mean i i think you know you know what's actually interesting for me is uh number one that you know, I think it's like a bold move to make. I think obviously it's definitely paid off because I think his biggest issue was he entered the race very late. I don't think he was initially planning on being a candidate. And then he, 11th hour was like, yeah, you know what? I'll try and be president. Um, I, and I think the interesting thing is that, uh, you know, that he needed to get- Make a splash. Most people didn't even know he was running until yeah. this campaign. I did not know he was running for president until this news story came out. Mm. So it's it's achieved what it wanted to achieve. But I think it's super cool and interesting. You know, I think you and I see this a lot when we're working with brands. If if a brand's like, hey, we want you to promote something. And you're like, oh, I've got this like creative way we could do it. They're like, no. Yeah. And you're like, oh, no. But like, honestly, this is going to resonate really well with my audience. You know, I'm going to make this joke about this. And like, trust me, it's like, I know you guys don't understand what the joke is, but it reflects the product in a really positive way. They'll be like, no. Stay yeah, so true. Stick to the dot points. Credit to them. They clearly worked with people and I believe they work with Fuck Jerry's 
media agency mm. to actually craft the posts. Um, but they trusted them to do it in a way that was for social media, you know? Like mm. you can tell that it wasn't just them paying these accounts to put a photo of Mike Bloomberg being advocating for him for president. Like they did it in an authentic way to the platform, which is cool. It's funny. It's like meme strategies are now, you know, nothing is exempt from them. And I think it's interesting as well that they clearly recognise that the young population is such a key one for them to hit. And therefore you have to go to where young people are and social media is that. Like it is pretty crazy that influencer marketing is now hitting that sort of level mm. of campaign. Yeah, I think it's, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting. And you know, you even look at the post itself and it's not really, and, and I think this is once again, why it was like such a success or like the reason you can consider what they did a success is if you actually look at the post, it's not saying, you know, hey, you know, it's it, the fuck Jerry doesn't actually say what his policies are or that he's a good candidate or anything like that. It's literally him saying, I want to pay you money to endorse me. Literally saying nothing about, hey, no. do you want to endorse me because of my good social policies? They don't even endorse him. No, the, but the purpose of that post was clearly not to not to really say like, oh, look what a great guy he is or look how good his policies are. It was literally just to get the knowledge out there that he is a candidate for yeah. the presidential race. And yeah. ultimately, so the fact that it ballooned out from that into this much bigger news story conversation, it absolutely nailed what it wanted to do. Whether you know whether or not actually... that was intentional or not, probably not. But um, man. No, I reckon it was intentional because now I'm thinking about it. You know what's interesting is in none of those posts did they actually tell people to vote for him. They didn't push his policies. They didn't push the audience anyway, which I think young people hate feeling pushed. Yeah. They hate feeling like they're being told to do anything that they don't necessarily turn want left, to do. Turn left, I turn right. <laughs> exactly though. Like those posts were so smart because they weren't actually telling people to do anything. It was just making sure that young people knew his name where they might not have before or they're having a conversation about this like we are where they wouldn't have before. And therefore, it just builds this like good vibes yeah. with him. And I think it's like, okay, he didn't tell me to vote for him, but he did some cool influencer marketing on Fuck Jerry and I follow Fuck Jerry. Therefore, he understands me and therefore I'm going to go with someone that understands me and the people that I'm friends with and my, you know, where I am. I think that is like really cool. I wonder yeah. how much he paid for them. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like there'd be the normal rate you do a sponsored post for. And then man, you'd, you'd turn that <laughs> up. Because I think they would have known that, I mean, as soon as you get political with especially a meme account and especially with someone who I don't think is traditionally that popular with young people in America, like they would have known they were going to cop flack for it. Yeah. They also know that he has billions of dollars and that they can really turn up what they want to charge. Well, but what whatever they charged, it was a good investment. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever they charged was a good investment for Mike because it got ballooned out way beyond the reach of the actual post itself. Um, but yeah, I think it, I'll actually be curious to see if they actually have to disclose how much they paid for it because don't you for presidential campaigns in the US, you have to disclose where you're spending your campaign money? Yeah, but I'm guessing you don't have to itemize everything. You'd be like, mm. 
you'd be like four million on social content. You know, you wouldn't say we paid five dollars for this cup of coffee. You'd say we spent five hundred thousand on food. All right, you know. stay tuned. I'm going to figure it out and come back to you later. Figure it out. Do the research. <laughs> All right, on to our last topic for today's episode. It's TikTok again. I feel like I keep coming back to TikTok each week and maybe it's because I literally keep getting more addicted week by week. I feel like TikTok was one of those things I downloaded like a month ago kind of as a bit of a joke or to understand like what it actually was. And I think I watched a few things on it to start and I was like, okay, whatever. And then suddenly I got back on it and the other night I literally lost like an hour and a half of my life to watching bloody TikToks. Yeah. And what I came away from it with though was the fact that there is this rotation of about 15 to 20 songs that pop on TikTok. Everyone's using the same clips of the songs and they blow the fuck up. And then I go on Spotify and there's a playlist and it's literally a playlist that's on the front page of Spotify and it's called Big on the Internet. And it is a playlist of all the big TikTok songs. And I just thought that was so interesting because the fact that you can now have a social media platform with influencers that's actually going back and dominating the music charts is pretty crazy and I remember hearing about this for the first time like a year ago when Old Town Road blew up do you remember that yeah so Old Town Road from Lil Nas X blew up from TikTok because people were doing people were doing like the Old Town Road challenge yeah and I remember I met with the TikTok guys when they came to Australia like maybe almost a year ago and they were like we're growing really fast this is blowing up like songs are having a massive impact on it people are doing challenges and I remember you know I would have to say like at the time I was a little bit skeptical because I think we've heard in the past of different social media platforms trying to come up and it not necessarily working that well. The majority of the time. Yeah but to TikTok's credit they have absolutely like completely taken over the internet and what I kind of wanted this is kind of a roundabout topic but one of the things that I really noticed on TikTok was the fact that there's this whole genre and I think a bunch of the biggest TikTok stars are doing these dance videos right now so they're doing like dance routines these little clips of songs that then blow Mm. up on Spotify and these people are uploading between like five to ten TikTok videos a day. So they are pumping out content, but they're not necessarily pumping out super unique content every time. They're just literally dancing to the same songs out every day. And it's volume. It is like a high volume platform. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, like when when Vine was the thing, it, I, I didn't, don't really remember seeing that much dancing on it. And I remember the people who were super big, like – you had to be good. You had to be really creative to be yeah. a good Viner because you needed to think up a skit that you could fit into, what was it, 10 six seconds? seconds? Six seconds. It was six seconds? I think so. How do you do anything in six seconds? But anyway, long story short, yeah, you're right. The, the difference in um, platform is crazy because, yeah, you had to think up something bite-sized that you could fit into six seconds that was funny, that would engage with your audience and was relatively unique. Then TikTok, it's just get as much out there as you can. Yeah. And a lot of the time I'll see like a really funny, creative, thoughtful TikTok and it's got nothing. And then I'll see 
another, which is someone doing, I'm be real, like a pretty mediocre dance. The quality's not, not that insane. catchy. Quality's not crazy. And it's like, oh, this one has like 30 million views. Crazy. Like, why? Why? Why does that one? It doesn't make sense. And why that works? Why is that a thing? Why are yeah. people watching that? It's literally like when I am explaining what I do to like our grandparents or, you know, someone else's parents. And and they're like, right, so you just talk while you play game. Why don't they just play the games themselves? <laughs> I don't get it. And you TikTok know, feels like that. TikTok's like that for me, where it's like, I, it clearly has a huge audience. It is clearly very entertaining to people. I just don't get it. I think it's, you see it on other platforms sometimes where people find a format that works. They find a video style that works on YouTube. They find a photo style that works on Instagram and they just double down on it. Like, you know, I think the money videos on YouTube is a good example of it. People love a kid $1,000 or did this and someone wins $10,000. Last person to leave wins $100,000. Or they find bikini pics on Instagram and it's like a girl and she realised that whenever she uploads a video on a bikini, it does really well. Shocking. And I feel like on TikTok, people have found this little formula that is working and they are not just doubling down on it, but like 10xing on it. And they're literally taking it to the micro of almost uploading the same content every single day. And I think TikTok is just an example of a platform that's in this insane growth period where people can find these little hacks on the platform and just go hard and feel massive reward. Because this girl, uh, who's the biggest person on the platform right now, Charlie, Charlie D'Amelio, she grew a million followers in a day. Like a day day that is no small feat you know what's interesting i feel like this is just getting more back end into like just the way the app works but tiktok doesn't you know on on a thing like youtube i subscribe to a channel that's like a big decision you know people don't subscribe to channels lightly yeah uh and then you know i always see those videos in my sub box and i become very engaged with every bit of content that they post whereas on tiktok you can follow people but it doesn't really seem to do that much. Your feed isn't based on who you're following. Mm. You still get a mix of a bunch of different people. So I, on most platforms, for example, if I were to put out 10 videos a day of basically the exact same thing, after a while, my subscribers are like, what, why, what, what are you doing? I'm seeing yeah. the same thing 10 times a day. Whereas I think with TikTok, it's, it's, it literally is just throwing darts at a dartboard. You just throw and throw and throw and throw and throw and you can, post two things that are basically identical. One of them will get a hundred million views and the other one will get a hundred thousand. Yeah. And it's just, and I think that's what people are realizing with TikTok. And I think it's something that TikTok maybe hasn't quite worked out themselves yet, but they haven't, but there, there really isn't always the strongest correlation between good quality content and what gets promoted. But also I feel like sometimes that's just kind of social media content in general. Like people don't necessarily want the best or highest quality content. They just want like consumable, relatable stuff. And maybe that's why they're popping off so much. But the growth is insane. I can't imagine how these kids are going to continue to grow at the rate that they are right now. Yeah. 
I also think it's fascinating that it still doesn't seem to be overly monetized. There doesn't seem to be a huge amount of brand deals happening on it. They're obviously not paying creators in the way that YouTube or Twitch pays creators. So I'm curious because TikTok clearly has developed this mass intense power because they're literally influencing the music charts. So they're taking over a whole nother platform of entertainment Mm. and creating a huge splash. Surely they're going to struggle to monetize it though, you know, because I think about YouTube and if I put two seconds of a copyright song in one of my videos, I've got eight different companies claiming my video saying that, hey, you used this little bit of copyright stuff. Now everything's ours. Yeah. You know, we're coming for your house. Like, I, I just don't understand how, I mean, I think right now, obviously, it's just so new that people are kind of giving it time to figure itself out. But if TikTok is a platform, not entirely, but largely uh, to a point, is based on copyright music with video behind it, I then surely at a point, the record labels who are getting increasingly worried that they don't have enough money, you know, like uh, trying to find new revenue streams, surely they're going to say, hey, we yeah, want some of that. Possibly. I think perhaps the play for creators to monetize is actually off platform. So maybe it's the fact that they're not going to necessarily be doing brand deals on TikTok or be being, be being paid off AdSense from TikTok but they're actually going to take the influence that they have with that young generation and translate it into other things. Like I saw on the weekend, it was obviously the all-star NBA weekend and a bunch of the TikTok stars were there literally doing dances at halftime or like making a bunch of TikToks promoting the NBA. So maybe it's the fact that they're going to take it from TikTok elsewhere to influence the younger generation. Yeah, I think I've seen, I think that's been, I mean, most people I've talked to who are going hard on TikTok right now, like Molly, for example, it's yeah the the big upside isn't tiktok itself as a money making vehicle but it's that ability to put out pretty basic stuff and instantly reach an insanely huge audience like yeah. way bigger than what you'd normally be able to reach and yeah and that you know like molly the rate his channel grew is you know largely cuz he was just making good content but also very much so because tiktok very indirectly drove a huge amount of traffic, you know. He didn't have real links to his YouTube. No. He didn't shout out his YouTube at the end of TikToks, but people would see the clips, find them funny, look at his username, be like, oh, he must be a YouTuber, and then actively go and search. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I, I think the ability for TikTok to just serve as a kind of capture net to, like, bring viewers into your core content is super strong. All right, I think that pretty much wraps it up for this week's episode. Woohoo! Yeah, today was today was interesting. I feel like there were a lot more like broad, wide topics. They yeah. weren't quite as I feel like whenever we start talking about something, I'm like, oh my god, I could talk about this for like an hour. Yeah. And then <laughs> you go off on a totally different tangent, and then five minutes later you realize you're not talking about what you were talking about five minutes ago. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for watching this week's episode, guys. Remember to like, subscribe, do whatever you got to do on the right platform, and we will see you guys next Wednesday. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Hold up. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.